0: Hello, and welcome to the Crypto Basic Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Philbin, and we are here today with a featured project episode. We're gonna be talking about the Ember Fund. Emberfund.io is where you can find them. I'm here with the co-founder of Ember Fund, Alex Wang. We're gonna get to learn about his story, learn about the story of the project, and how they've created a non-custodial fund where you still control your own Private Keys. It's a very interesting project and they've done an interesting job of creating it. It is important for you to understand that featured projects are sponsored content. So we were compensated for this episode and we will continue to be compensated if you go to emberfund.app.link slash cryptobasic when you sign up for Emberfund. That will be a code that is active for us for the next couple of months basically and we get a small kickback for anybody that ends up taking part in the fund. So again, you can check out emberfund.io to see about the the company and everything that goes on with them, and of course you can sign up there, but we would much prefer it if you sign up at app or I'm sorry, emberfund.app.link/cryptobasic. We do get a small kickback if you join their fund. Sit back, relax, enjoy this episode. And if at the end of the episode you're interested in the Ember Fund, you can go check it out in our show notes. Remember, we actively filter out 99% of the sponsored content. That's because there is a lot of content that I believe are not good actors in the space. They are an ICO trying to pump their coin, or an IEO, I guess, now. And They reach out to us all the time and we constantly turn them down. Keep all that in mind. And while doing so, please enjoy this featured episode of the Crypto Basic Podcast. I had a breakthrough moment with a group that I am friends with. They all think crypto is a scam, right? And we were talking about politics in this WhatsApp group. And I was saying, well, actually, I think liquid democracy is really important. If we could just pull our vote from these people at any time that would be great. And they're like, well, yeah, but you couldn't do that. You wouldn't be able to prove all, you know, they started going through all the problems. And I'm like, you guys aren't going to want to hear this, but this is already solved. (laughs) All right, everybody. We are here with the CEO of Ember Fund. Emberfund.io is where you can find it. This is Alex Wang joining us on the show. Welcome to the show, Alex. Thanks for having me. Uh, no, thank you for coming on the show. And before we dive into what the Ember Fund is and how it works and all that, let's talk about who you are, how you came to it, and you know why you're in the crypto space.
1: Sure. So back in 2013, I actually uh, had a e-commerce store, and that's when I first heard about Bitcoin. And I was intrigued, but I didn't really dive head in yet. but I wanted to just honestly use it as uh, a payment mechanism, just kind of as for fun, a, a marketing kind of ordeal and and ended up not really doing much with it until 2016. And I, unlike, I think a lot of other people came in strictly for the speculation and, and stayed in because of, you know, all the interesting political and social and economic implications of it, Right. I just put in like a couple hundred bucks being like, oh, you know, this seems like it's skyrocketing. Like, cool. Let's see what's it's all about. But kind of learn more about the technology and then just became completely, you know, obsessed with it. And um, yeah, at the time, so from 2012 to 2016, I built an a e-commerce company and then sold it. And then 2016 into 2000s late 17 i was was working as a product manager at at a uh, computer vision company and that's kind of where everyone there was super crazy about blockchain and, and crypto and kind of reignited my interest in it and you know began investing a little bit and then just learned more about what it was beyond just a speculative asset and yeah like i said became so obsessive with me and three other engineers from the company left to to start ember fund so that's kind of uh how it all started that
0: story really resonates with me and i'm sure it resonates with a lot of the listeners because there's plenty of people who got in for the speculation and then as soon as the speculation was no longer there and we ran into the bear market they got out and they're not back they're not like Hey, can't wait to come back and talk about the tech that Troncoin that I had was was working on or whatever the case. But there are so many of us that came in because of speculation or because a friend was like, hey, you gotta get in on this crypto train, it's going crazy. And then once we learned, we were like, Totally. Oh, okay, yeah, this is totally. the implications of this are massive. So I think that's you're gonna have a lot of intersection with the people that are gonna be listening to yeah. this because if they're still listening to us. Through the bear market and through all that stuff, they're gonna be aligned with that. Totally, so. totally. And I think what's
1: interesting about that too is, you know, a lot of the hardcore crypto people and crypto anarchists are like, oh yeah, who cares about price or whatnot. But the reality is I think it draws in a lot of people when an asset goes up, you know, 10x in how mm-hmm. much time it, it draws a lot of eyeballs. Now I would say when a bear market comes again, ninety percent of those people probably leave. But there's 10% that stay and are captivated by the technology and end up building the next iteration of the industry, I think. And so at least that's my perspective. I think speculation and price is an important driver of attention, which generates interest. And then kind of more entrepreneurs, more, more people enter the space because of it.
0: Yeah, that's actually a, a refreshing thought. We tend to not cover price or anything like that when we are on our show, but I am 100% aware of what the price does because that's what drew me in. That's what drew you in. That's what drew everybody here. And then once you learn, you learn. I, I feel like if a lot more people got past, there there's also a group of people that won't get in because of the price. So if they got past that, maybe they would learn also and be a second little group of 10% of people that, that would be getting through. Funny. I had a breakthrough moment with a group that I am friends with. They all think crypto is a scam, right? And we were talking about politics in this WhatsApp group. And I was saying, well, actually, I think liquid democracy is really important. If we could just pull our vote from these people at any time, that would be great. And they're like, well, yeah, but you couldn't do that. You wouldn't be able to prove all, you know, they started going through all the problems. And I'm like, you guys aren't going to want to hear this, but this is already solved. (laughs) So anyway, that was cool. All right. So we're here to talk about Ember Fund. I don't know why I randomly told a story, but I did. No, no Sorry. Word. We're going to no, talk about the Ember Fund. And first, give us kind of the overview. Is, should I be calling it the Ember Fund or Ember Fund? Ember I Fund, Fund yeah. Okay. Yeah. So 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 tell us all about Ember Fund. And now that we've, we know what led you there, what is it? What unique problem is it solving? And
1: how does it work? Yeah, totally. So Ember Fund is a mobile app that effectively allows anyone from around the world to invest like a crypto hedge fund. So our vision is really to take all the financial products that sophisticated investors use, hedge funds, institutions, in the form of like quants and fund managers, and democratize it and make it available to pretty much anyone in the world. The important piece of this is that we're non-custodial. What that means is we actually don't touch the money at any point. We never touch the asset. That in turn means, you know, all the private keys, we don't store any of that. We have no way to move it. We have no way to withdraw it. We, during the exchange process, we never quote unquote touch the money. And we think that's really, really important and something that's easily lost in, in the industry today. And we think it's important because it's more secure. So instead of, I mean, we've seen Binance in this past month, we've seen tons of exchanges have been hacked. We actually don't have like a central trove, right, of assets for hackers to go after. All of the assets are decentralized in the thousands of users that use the product. So from a security perspective, we think that's super important. From a transparency perspective, I mean that's the whole point of crypto, right? Is really to be on bank, custody own own assets and see what's actually happening on the blockchain. So that's really important to us. Number three is that because We're dealing with Bitcoin, we're not actually interfacing with the traditional banking system. And we have users around over 200 countries. And so it's something that our rocket science is really to take this notion of almost like a non custodial wallet and apply asset management to those assets. So when you think about traditional models in the space, it's like a Coinbase I'm going to take your money. I'm going to custody in it it, and I'm not going to provide any asset management. We think the model should be completely reverse, right? Where you're custodying your, your own assets, but we're kind of applying, um, asset management technology to those assets.
0: So, yeah, I want to dive into more about how that works because the thing that got me excited about Ember Fund versus, you know, a lot of these other projects that reach out to us, every fund that's ever reached out to us, I've told them to go pound sand. I'd, we're not interested in having you on the show because uh, that, to me, is just another way for a group to grab somebody's money, get hacked or hacked with air quotes around it or, you know, do an exit scam or something like that with – it's just rampant. Totally. but. The idea of a fund that was non-custodial was super cool to me because Binance is releasing that thing they were calling a decentralized exchange, but it's really just non-custodial exchange and non-custodial is important. And also it's important that there's an infrastructure around something like a non-custodial exchange because it's really hard to do it on your own. So you want to hold your own private keys, but you also need the infrastructure to do this stuff. So you said you were able to do non-custodial asset management. So how does that work once somebody has gotten into the process? So, and, and I don't know what your percentage breakdowns are of which coins you might invest in or, or even if you make those public, yep. but are they holding a, an asset that is mirroring something or are they actually holding all of the different Bitcoins
1: and, or cryptos? What's special about us, they're actually holding the un- underlying assets. There's no derivative, there's no coin, there's no ICO. You're actually holding on to every single asset in your portfolio. And to answer your earlier question, we make it public because we just, our value is that we want to make it just super easy for people. So in the background, everything is on feed, right? So we light up the wallets, we search multiple exchanges for the best price and help facilitate all the execution. And so, yeah, we just present it all behind a a beautiful UI. So you just, it looks like you're investing in a, a normal app, but... All the kind of magic happens behind the scenes. So you don't have to worry about your private keys. You don't have to worry about... The login mechanism is just completely familiar. But all the infrastructure and the technology is really special and really uh, powerful. So if somebody wanted to,
0: they could do exactly what you were doing just by looking at your public, uh, these are our percentages. Yep. But instead, if they don't want to go through the problem and figuring out how order books work and all of that they have the option to do this with just as much security, which is cool.
1: Yep, I would argue more security because again, you know, we're not, the assets are not cussied on an exchange. It's actually on your mobile device, right?
0: Right, right, yeah. So they could if they don't take the extra step to take it off an exchange, which we're we're always preaching, then it's significantly safer to to have your own. So how does how does the log you said the login works like in a familiar way. So nobody's doing the you're not doing the private key public key pairing. Yep. So is there an encryption there that basically okay. changes the username and password to that?
1: Exactly. So your username and, and password are effectively your keys to unlocking your assets and only that combo Uh, will work. And we use, it's called like client-side encryption. So everything is done on the phone. And then what's interesting is that there's actually an encrypted version of the uh, private keys on on your phone. First of all, I I should mention there is a feature that we're building right now where if you wanted to, and you're an advanced user, you press a button and you can see your your private keys. Oh, cool. We're completely transparent about that. And the second qu- part of that, which a lot of people ask is, okay, what if I lose my phone? So the way that we work is that there's actually an encrypted version of your keys that are backed up. And so if you lose your phone and whatnot, you can light up a new phone and then be able to, to log in. And if our database was compromised, you know that encrypted data is of no use to an attacker.
0: Because they need your username and password. Totally. To decrypt, yeah so they would just get a bunch of gibberish and then if they happen to know your username and password as well then they could do that but that's kind of crazy
1: yeah
0: so that's cool so yeah you um because everybody's probably run into this problem well maybe they haven't maybe it's just me but i didn't back up my two-factor authentication on (laughs) one of my phones and i switched phones and that was a massive problem but you wouldn't run into that even though it's paired with the phone you could just basically use whatever that algorithm is that creates the private keys and you're good to go just yeah. with the username and password. Totally. So that's also super cool. So I want to go from there into how how moving around the assets would work. So obviously you do rebalancing on the hedge fund. Is there like a button you press inside to say, okay, I want to
1: rebalance? Totally. Yep. So the way it works right now is for a couple of our funds, there'll be, let's say, an update to it once every let's say two weeks and you'll get a notification and then you actually go into your phone and press a button and then that's effectively when you sign and broadcast the transactions and then everything, all the magic happens. Okay.
0: Awesome. So, so yeah, you're essentially saying, okay, I'll take the new allocation. Would you have the option to just leave it if if you you didn't want? Cool. So yeah, if you didn't want the new update, you're just like, "Ah, you know what? Y'all are y'all are investing in that coin I don't like there, so I'm going to yep. leave it. Totally. So you mentioned funds. So there are, are there multiple kind
1: of tracks that you can go on? Yep. So there's quite a few. So we have one that is called the S-Tier Fund, and that's managed by a guy named Marius Kramer. So he's the number one writer on crypto, on Quora. And then we also have another one, data dash who's a big influencer on on youtube and then a couple others that are that were constructed in-house
0: i am familiar with data dash i've tried to get him on the show to to talk about a coin that he shilled and i uh they ended up being a scam yeah i've yeah i have shit all over substratum on this show and i tried to get him to talk about it and he wouldn't
1: yeah i don't know what's going on with that to be honest but i did my own research on it it does not look good yeah it, it's
0: it's uh we we had a couple of experts on the show on it and i, yeah.
1: I mean nicholas is definitely legit i mean he's 100 percent like honest but substratum i not to talk shit about another can we cuss on this show i forgot yeah absolutely i <laughs> I, I use the phrase shit on all the time and okay. i've had yeah.
0: listeners say please don't use that i'm like what i'm
1: gonna okay. say it. okay <laughs> um yeah but that that project i mean not to talk shit but yeah it's hard
0: to say like this thing is a scam if it's still working and running but there were just so many red flags on it and and it's you know it's something that was in the top 100 that's barely in i don't even know the top 500 now at this point so i think that it's it's a warranted criticism whether they end up going under or not we'll see but (laughs) anyway the yeah i i know he's at least apologized for that and i just uh there was a period where he wasn't and i've said like he one of his. Things that he does that works really well for him is he doesn't ever say anything bad about coins or projects, you know. So that works for an influencer because every time we say something bad, the community attacks us. It's like clockwork. Yep. <laughs> it's like, oh, these guys said something bad. All right, here come all
1: the. That's why the way to do it is like Andreas. You just don't say anything about any coin ever. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yep, that works. That's that's what we. That's not what we carved out in the space, but that's you know, to each their own. Yeah. All right, so we'll go back to the fun. So you've got a few funds run by basically well-known people yep. and if you like them you can go ahead and join their particular fund yeah there was a project like this that i'm trying to think of off the top of my head economy i but obviously they were not non-custodial
1: yep and i don't think they're available in the us although that might have, have changed
0: Yep. I Sorry. I, I wish I knew anything about them, but I, I just thought of them as a competitor off the top of my head. And then, but again, I don't, do you guys have any direct competitors that are doing this non-custodial in the space? No, it doesn't no. feel like
1: it. So there are quite a few projects out there that are like wallet, crypto wallets, you know, non-custodial wallets without asset management. But to my understanding or to my knowledge, there are no you know, mobile crypto asset management that's non-custodial. And I think the reason is just because the tech behind it is pretty, there's there's a lot of barriers to entry there in terms of kind of the building that infrastructure and the technology to, to do that, right? And we're lucky to have a really talented, really, really talented uh, engineering team and also some really, really great partners for the on-device encryption. It seems like that's a
0: place where a lot of companies might skimp because there's going to be a lot of upfront work to that there's going to be a very small subsection of the crypto community that even appreciates it most of the random speculators they don't care if they're getting their speculation on coinbase or you know hit or ember fund they don't care where it comes from because they don't know the difference Yep. so the small subsection that would gravitate towards you guys and is like wow these guys are actually really doing a good job that's a lot of investment to put out there just to target them but I appreciate that massively because I'm part of that group. But at yeah. the same time, most companies are going to say, well, we don't even need that. We're never going to steal somebody's funds or lose somebody's funds. And then things change.
1: There's a couple of things to that, right? So number one, as I mentioned, we have a really talented engineering team. My co-founders are all tech gurus have scaled massive uh, technology companies. And then we also were fortunate enough to partner with a company called Edge Wallet and use a lot of their client-side encryption technology. And so we were able to kind of shortcut it. I mean, we built this platform in amazingly in pretty much seven months because of that. Wow. Yeah, uh, that was awesome. And then the other piece of it is that a lot of our users actually do understand the value of the whole being non-custodial. And I think it's because the type of person that's naturally drawn to this at some point understands the whole point of this is to custody your own asset, right? Look at the original white paper. That was the original purpose of crypto assets. And so that's one piece. Another piece is, you're right, there's a large subset of people that don't know anything about the custody and whatnot. And I would just say it's okay because, you know, from a regulatory perspective, you wouldn't be able to actually provide a product like this without being non-custodial. At least we wouldn't for numerous reasons. Number one, there's, you know, state by state money transmission licensing, which is, I mean, hundreds of thousands of million dollars to, to get. Number two, you know, we're not pooling any assets, right? So if you're a traditional hedge fund, you pull together assets, you invest other people's money and those other people need to be accredited investors, right? So you need to have a million bucks mm-hmm. to make, or make over, I think, 250,000 a year. So the reality is we wouldn't even be able to provide a product like this to those peoples, right? So for those people, it doesn't really matter that they don't understand the value of non being non custodial. They get to have access to a product like this.
0: I didn't even think about the regulatory implications because obviously, you know, I sometimes I take things like that for granted. But yeah, obviously yeah, I, if you yeah. don't touch the stuff, you don't need to credit investors, which is nice. I took for granted that this was available in the United States because yep. in crypto, that's a, not a normal thing. But in the real world, that's a normal thing. Yep. And then I look at your user interface. It feels like a normal world thing versus a crypto thing.
1: We're trying to bridge that gap, right?
0: No, I think you're doing a really good job. That's why anybody who might come to Ember Fund and end up not caring particularly about whether it's not custodial or not is going to see the user interface. They're going to start using it. And they're going to be like, oh, this is simple. This is way easier than trying to take a selfie with my ID at Poloniex or not Poloniex, uh, Kraken or wherever and stuff like that. So just because I thought about that, what are the know your customer laws slash situations here? Do you need that from each person?
1: Yeah. So right now with all the crypto that so we actually integrate with uh, Coinbase as well as a company called Wire. And so when you unwrap with them, they obviously do the KYC AML. With Wire, you can, can connect your bank account. And anytime you touch the traditional banking system, like there's KYC AML. And then you can also, for us, you can actually also deposit Bitcoin. So our exchange partners are kind of monitoring all the transactions. But when you do deposit Bitcoin, there isn't KYC AML there. But obviously with the Coinbase and the Wire piece, there's KYC AML.
0: Okay, so it's it's know your customer by association kind of If you go through a partnered exchange?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Okay. So, but if I'm me and I'm being, you know, careful about my privacy, and the first thing I would not do is create a crypto podcast with my real name. (laughs) But the second second thing I would do is I would go, I would get involved via Bitcoin. I would transfer into like an internal wallet and then it would be attributed to my account. Yep. Okay. That's,
1: and I think that's a really interesting point right there. You know, with a traditional crypto app, all of your information can be subpoenaed or whatnot, right? Or your account can be frozen. Right. Right. For us, we're just creating the software layer for you to manage your own assets and deposit crypto in kind of your own way. And so there isn't that piece of it, right? Where there's nothing to subpoena. We don't have your information, right? At least on the Bitcoin deposit piece. Mm. I think that's a really core piece of kind of what we're trying to build too.
0: Right. You want my information, you got to go to Coinbase or otherwise I didn't, you know, when, when I'm signing up as a user, I'm not even putting in, am I putting in name and all that stuff or just user and password?
1: Just a username and and password. And then yeah, an email to obviously, because we need to communicate with you on on certain things, but that's pretty much it. So
0: right now, your your you what was your primary fund called? Uh, the S tier fund. S tier, yes. Okay. So what is what does that fund's assets look like,
1: kind of as of today? So today, um, we just did a rebalance. It's Litecoin because I believe we just rebalanced into that. We have Engine, Bat, and Dent, and I think that's that's it for now. Yeah.
0: Okay, four assets. Like, was Bitcoin one of them?
1: It was, but I believe we rebalanced out okay a while ago. And yeah, it's our most popular fund and it's outperformed the market pretty substantially. I think when Bitcoin was like a, at 120% year to date, was it last week? We were like at 135. So yeah, we've been outperforming the market. I'm going to take a quick look. Yeah, we're at 131% year to date.
0: Okay, and I love Engine, and I love Basic Attention Token. Yep. I don't know anything about Dent, so what this has done for me, if nothing else, is I want to take a look at that now totally. because I don't know anything about it. Totally. So, but because I like the other two assets, and obviously I like Litecoin also, and Charlie Lee is uh is actually pretty good for the space in my opinion. Although I guess he doesn't have any anymore, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I do I do like listening. He's one of my favorite Twitter followers. So some of the other people, let's say like uh, Datadash um, or Datadash uh, Nicholas. What's his, Do you know what his looks like off the top of your head?
1: I think his is pretty basic right now. It's just Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and, and Dash. And then he'll probably do a update within this next month. He's pretty conservative under the assets. The S tier funds is a little bit more of an aggressive a bit more of a yeah aggressive fund marius spends a ton of time kind of researching coins and and um making sure that the fundamentals of the coins that he's rebalancing into is solid data Dash's fund is more like more towards an index fund in the sense it's market weighted it's not as aggressive in terms of you know weekly or or bi-weekly rebalances and so yeah it's it's a little bit of a different fund structure
0: so, are all the funds for coins or just no. because we happen to talk about those? It
1: still so happens, we're talking about those. Okay. Some have cool. sticks. It's really nice. So, good. if
0: I pop into the app, you said that the S tier was more aggressive and you said that the data dash fund was more on the conservative side. Yep. You know, when I'm at work and I'm looking at mutual funds and that kind of thing. I would see, you know, oh, this is aggressive, or these are the percentage breakdowns of like the sectors. Is there something similar inside of the Ember Fund a- application?
1: You're saying that shows how aggressive it is, and kind of shows what type of fund this is, or
0: yeah, yeah, I don't know, like a like a star rating of how
1: crazy the person no, might be being. Or that might be actually a good idea. <laughs> oh, no, okay, sorry, I didn't mean to call out like a missing feature. No, 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 no. it's definitely a good idea. We have. A description of the fund in terms of the strategy the rebalancing frequency all that stuff in the app but we don't have a star rating yet maybe uh, add one in
0: i appreciate the fundamental approach that it sounded like you were taking it on that s tier fund because that's how we see the space and there's it's such a small space that it's so hard to separate the fundamentals from the hype yep. and the hype can create great short-term gains, but the, the hype isn't going to be here six years from now. If that's all, it, if that's all it's there.
1: Yep. So I think that's super important. And Marius is the way he looks at, at the coins is really, they're permissionless. They're properly decentralized. They have millions of users, a couple other parameters, but the way I like to think about it is, yeah, there's, you can have a coin that like pumps a hundred percent in a day, And then, you know, ends up being a complete scam. And so Mm -hmm. these fundamentals coins, I think when you scale it across time, the hope is that, for example, Engine is a classic example. Coins like this are the types of coins that Samsung wants to partner with, right? Right. Long term. And so for sure in a week, you're going to get crazy returns. Probably, uh, no. But scale it across enough time, we believe that it can produce substantial returns with that said crypto is highly speculative high risk and we put it in our app to let everyone know that you know at the end of the day it's, it's super volatile it's high risk don't invest more than you can afford to lose
0: well that, i was going to say that at the end of the episode
1: but that's what you okay, put it out cool. there. <laughs> i did it for you
0: <laughs> we have like a disclaimer where we say like we're idiots don't listen to us yeah. and, and yeah, then yeah. say something very similar to that i i would say that a fund is probably directly less volatile than a single asset. And I don't know if that's something I'm allowed to say, but I, it just investing in four assets seems better than investing in one.
1: So that's kind of our entire thesis is, is kind of around diversification. And there's a lot of evidence out there to to show that the risk return profile is just much better when you have proper uh, diversification. Um, And I think, you know it's tried and true for the equities market, and I definitely think that it it carries on to crypto assets as well
0: yeah i I mean obviously we're in our uncharted territory more or less. I mean we've had so many we've had hundred and change years of the stock market to kind of take a look at what how equities work, but things are completely different in this space with new asset class, so being on the front end and pioneering solutions for lowering risk or identifying fundamentals is really important, I think and is being lost on a lot of the a lot of the big hype machine groups so moving a little bit forward you guys obviously do make money in some way on this app is there like a monthly fee for um yeah. for signing
1: up or so we're it's free to download we're super transparent on the fee and we just keep it really simple we charge 1.5 percent for every transaction whether you buy oh, okay or the portion that you balance and Everything again is on the blockchain, so you can see exactly how much of each asset you're getting, how much our fees are. We think that's another piece that's actually kind of missing. Everyone seems to, you know, talk about how trading on their app is free, and it's never free, right? So, you know, with custodial solutions, they're investing your assets, right? The un- uninvested assets are sitting there, and they're investing it, and they're getting a return on it. Most other crypto exchanges or companies or products, they make a spread on the back, right? So there's no way that, you know, they're just out of the goodness of their heart are providing a product for you to use for free. They're doing something, right? And so we kind of took a different approach and said, just be completely transparent. We need this in the space, right? And if we're providing enough value, then, you know, people will use our product, which they are if we don't then we need to kind of reevaluate right and so far the traction has been amazing and no one's really complained about kind of our fee structure and people've been happy
0: every company that's providing a service should be able to charge for that service totally and what i really appreciate about what you're doing with that is right at the beginning of the episode you said you could do this on your own if you wanted to we're just making it super easy yep. so that is the service in my opinion you're saving somebody all the time of Deposit onto exchange one, two, three, and four. Go make all the trades, withdraw from exchanges one, two, three, and four, put it on your own personal private key area, and then do it again two weeks later. Yep. To rebalance everything.
1: And I I actually, you know, I welcome people to, to do that. I think if they are a sophisticated enough trader and they want to deal with that, I welcome them to take a look at the app, copy the allocations, fine. We just, as you mentioned, yeah, really want to make that streamlined really really simple and and if people see value in that, then hopefully the one point five percent is a good number. And if they don't, then you know, they can go link up to five different exchanges, hardware wallets, whatever they want to copy or fund.
0: Just maybe not Trezor.
1: Maybe not Trezor. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just saw that come out, I think, yesterday. Yeah. Where there was a security breach on the Trezor. But
1: yeah. anyway, yeah.
0: <laughs> so sometimes sometimes even these hardware wallets aren't completely safe. It's such a tough space to keep up with. Yeah. I
1: mean see, and that's one thing, like I I had one and it was in my backpack for like a year and a half and it just stopped turning on. And you know, I'm sure they have great customer service and if I sent it in, they'd take care of it. It's just it's just a headache. It's just another thing to think about and worry about. And yeah, we think the phone is the best place to keep the keep your assets.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the, some of this is gonna fall on the user to create a good enough passphrase. Yes. So that it's not somebody can't just you know brute force it when they get a hold of their phone. Yep. And do you have any extra qualifications on the passwords or do you just really say, please make this secure?
1: Yeah, so that's I I would say that's one of the things that is an education piece that we're trying to get people to understand is that with this new asset class, there's always trade-offs, right? And it's really powerful to be able to custody your own assets. There's a level of responsibility there in terms of creating a strong enough password, although we have password recovery, and then kind of remembering it, right? So there's some security hygiene that needs to be taken into consideration. But I would add, I mean, we have all the, Security measures, like, you know, rate limit, so you can't boot force. And then also, yeah, just a bunch of things that we put in place to kind of make it easy and user friendly for people, but also have all the security features. I, I
0: will say going back to engine, they have this, uh, a very good wallet that's been created. But one thing that annoys me is they have a keyboard that's like supposed to be a secure keyboard that's built into the app. So I can't use a password manager to put any of my passwords in there. And all my passwords are different. Like there isn't a, And they're all nonsensical. So like, there's yeah. not a single one that I could actually put on there. Um, do you guys have a similar secure keyboard or is it
1: normal? Ours is a normal keyboard. Yeah. It's a normal keyboard.
0: And I run into this because we send engine tokens to our Patreon members. If you're mm. a part of our Patreon, you get like a little... Um, uh, thing that says you're a patreon supporter very cool and we send an nft to them and every time i have to send one i'm like oh my god i gotta put in this stupid
1: password <laughs> for, for by hand what is this the 80s yes uh, that's uh that's the funny thing is that i think as the in- industry kind of progressed the core roots are just the you know hardcore you know coders engineers cy- cypher funks, and they really needed like a ui guy or girl They really need a designer UI guy in in the early days because it just doesn't make sense for most people to have to like public key, private key, like, is is it, you know, wallet, you know, seed words generating, no one understands it. No one's going to understand it until more solutions come out that are just more user friendly. You need to abstract all the layers behind a, a beautiful UI for, for mass adoption to happen. I think It's starting to happen and, and I'm excited about that.
0: There's a reason everyone uses Coinbase. It's not because their customer service is exceptional. It's not. And it's, and it's not because they're providing a much better product. It's not any different, but they are providing a much nicer, easier, clean interface that people can get to quicker. They're paying more for that.
1: Absolutely.
0: I was banned from Coinbase for a year. (laughs) I opened it in Cuba.
1: Classic example. That wouldn't happen on our app yeah cuba's cool <laughs> well you were sorry say that again i was in cuba oh cuba wow
0: i just muscle memory i was like oh let me check coinbase and i logged in and then i got Pff, <laughs> i got the blow up that's like what are you doing this country has an embargo i'm like oh no wow and i knew i I knew i messed up but it took them over a year to open the account back up because wow. of the, just back and forth with customer service it was yeah. insane But yeah, so the grandma friendly, and I don't know if that's the right word because it's tough to be grandma friendly in tech, but that's the, the euphemism that people use, Yep, is the important piece of the adoption puzzle. And again, I only checked out the app quickly before I got you on the air. It feels like you've got that done. And everything you're telling me on the show, it feels like you've gotten that done. I think that most people aren't starting from that. They're starting from a point of maybe maybe they're starting from non-custodial, making that work rather than starting from a point of non-custodial with a great user interface yep. and making that work.
1: Yep. And it's a function of the tech too, I think. You know, without some of the partners that we've been fortunate enough to work with, and you know, this I don't know that this would be easy to do back in, you know, 2013, 2014. So a lot of things have actually obviously progressed in the space that have allowed us to, to do what we do.
0: I think they'll keep progressing. That's you know, the, the bear markets happened and all my friends that were, like we mentioned before, oh, they got into it. Now what happened? Now it's a scam. And they keep asking me about it. And I'm like, look, I mean, I know the price is down, but everything's only gotten better. Yeah. The tech's only gotten better. The The community's only gotten stronger and the, the security's gotten stronger and the use cases have increased. So, totally. You know, the price didn't really reflect that. I don't know if it's still too high. I have no idea. But uh, what I can tell you is I'm watching this space evolve more and more. And each new project that is like this, that understands where they are in the space, isn't trying to run off trust. Running off of trust in a trustless ecosystem is just doesn't make sense, in my opinion. And to me, that means you don't understand the ecosystem. So you got rid of that. And I think that's really cool.
1: Thanks. Appreciate that.
0: So we're coming up towards the end. I want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Like we've, we've got a little bit of extra time if you want it. What else do you want to tell us about Ember Fund, about you, about anything uh, that we haven't talked about yet?
1: I guess a couple of things. I do want to call out my co-founders. Absolutely did not do this alone. Mario and Guillaume, who are uh, the CIO and CTO of this company respectively, um, really helped build the company into what it is today some of the most talented engineers that I've ever worked with. And it's large in part because of them that we're here today. And I definitely want to acknowledge them first and foremost. And then, um, yeah, I guess the next phase for us is really building this out to be even more than what it is today. We're super excited. We're working on a quant fund, which I'm personally really excited about, which will allow for algorithmic trading in an custodial way so that's something that's in the pipeline and then uh, we have a ton so, go ahead so when you say a quant fund
0: that's quantitative analysis yep. and the user wouldn't be doing the active trading but the fund would be
1: yep so we're working okay, on, cool. i don't think anyone else is doing this but we're working on a way to effectively pre-sign transactions and then broadcast the trade from btc to a stable coin and and back from our back end and so yeah it's still kind of in the R&D stage but something i'm personally super excited about and uh,
0: pre-signing transactions sounds interesting like yeah. you could say here's authorization for the next 5 or something like that
1: something like that yeah we're just going to continue kind of innovating on that front we think that blockchain and is is kind of the the best medium to be able to take all these powerful financial products and make it available to the world. So we're really excited about that.
0: Do you have plans to bring on more kind of featured investors or featured uh, fund managers?
1: Yep. We're actually in the works. I can't talk about any of them just yet, but um, we have two, three pretty big partnerships that we're going to be announcing soon. But yeah, got to keep that under wraps until it
0: actually happens. All right. No exclusives today on the Sorry. Crypto Basic Podcast. <laughs> I, it, I was just thinking in my mind, I'm like, that seems like a really cool way to to help out your platform and, you know, get it. I don't know. You get the PewDiePie fund or something yeah, like that, that would be I, awesome. and just make it clear that like these guys are not investment professionals. They're just famous. Yep. But hey, if you want to do what they're doing, go ahead. <laughs> so any other features off the top of your head that it would be coming soon in the roadmap?
1: Yeah, we're working on just a bunch of tech upgrades. You know, right now when you liquidate the fund, it's kind of selling the entire thing. We're working on being able to sell part of it. We're working on, yeah, just a lot of a lot of infrastructure stuff that probably won't be exciting to your your listeners. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, stop losses is is something we're we're looking at. Yeah, a couple other things. So for, for the listeners, like we mentioned at
0: the beginning of the show, this was sponsored content. And part of that was that we have a a code you guys can use. If you were interested today on what Alex said about Ember Fund, in our show notes, you can go in there and go through our affiliate link, basically, and join the Ember Fund. That kind of gives us credit more or less. The you can go through there. What is the minimum if one of our listeners wanted to go through and do that? Is there a fifty, hundred, five thousand?
1: Yeah, right now it's uh $300. Okay. So to in- invest in two out of the five of our funds right now, yeah. And some of them are a little bit higher than that on a little the, little as bit as higher. Way. That's strictly because of the exchange partners. So Okay. trying to work on getting that down, but right now it's 300.
0: To me, it makes sense that there's a minimum that it would even be worth worth working with on like Even with your 1%, you might lose money if you
1: were to go like $10 or something. So what's interesting, we're just talking today about it, but to do transactions on chain, it's a challenging thing, large in part because of mining fees too, right? So it's not just like you deposit a hundred bucks and everything's fine. When you're swapping coins, whether it's Bitcoin or an ERC-20, there are mining fees that are associated to that that need to be uh, accounted for right and so right now we're kind of just facilitating all the trades and paying it out of pocket because it's so little but yeah it's something that we hide from the user and it's something that is kind of a consideration and makes it challenging but yeah that's kind of why sometimes we actually started with a hundred dollars and then because of minimums with exchange partners and whatnot we had to bump it up to 300 but we're, we're in the next probably 60 days, we're going to try to bring it down
0: again. Well, yeah, if the fund doesn't have Bitcoin, it's a little easier because the transaction fees on Bitcoin got Absolutely. up there, Yeah, that which was brutal. Big, so I was like, yeah. So, yeah, I was, we pay our editor with Bitcoin for the podcast episodes, and I was like, look, I'm going to have to start sending you Ethereum if this stays the way it is because we're not paying you enough to take those kind of transaction fees. Absolutely. So through our link, or you could just go to emberfund.io, whichever whichever you prefer, and you can sign up there, deposit at least 300, and you are in, you're working in the system, you're picking the fund that you want to go with, and every now and then, we'll give you a push notification for yep. when it's time to
1: rebalance? Exactly. A push notification and an email.
0: Okay, perfect. And the 1.5% fee, is it on each rebalance or just the initial deposit?
1: So when you deposit and then uh, when you sell, both we'll have 1.5%. Five percent, and then when okay. we rebalance the portion. We typically rebalance like ten percent of the portfolio. So for that portion, same thing. It's just flat one one point five percent.
0: Okay, cool. So all of that makes perfect sense. I think we answered any questions anybody could have had about about Ember Fund, about you, and about how everything started. So other than EmberFund.io, where can we follow you on social media or YouTube or anything like
1: that? Yeah, that's actually a great question join our Telegram group. And we're actually, the whole team is on there. We have a community of about 500 people that are pretty engaged, talking every day about the product, about just the industry as a whole. And um, yeah, come check it out. You can uh, go to Emberfund.io and, and click on the little Telegram button and they'll direct you into our chat room. All
0: right, Telegram group it is. We chose Discord, but uh, that was, I like Telegram too. Telegram is almost where I do business and then Discord is where I, have fun with the podcast, I guess.
1: There are so many today. It's like Telegram, Slack, Line. What's the, it's? Yeah, it's all over the place. I, we got it.
0: Do you remember back in the day when there was there was one called Trillion, I think that that united everything. It was like AOL Instant Messenger yeah. and like yeah. ICQ. IQ, yeah, yeah. We need that again. What happened?
1: How did that disappear? Oh, there's this idea right there, man.
0: <laughs> all right, so Alex, thanks again for coming on the show. It's been fun. Likewise and uh everybody check out the show notes for all applicable places we'll link the telegram there we'll link everything you need to know cool so we'll see you on the next episode sounds good
1: thanks bye